Welcome to Beyond the Pen, the podcast that delves into the untold stories of emerging authors and the literary world. I'm your host, Maccabee Griffin, and each week I'll be shining a spotlight on talented yet undiscovered authors, giving them a platform to share their incredible stories and unique journeys that brought them to the world of writing. In each episode, we'll deep dive into the story behind the story, exploring the inspirations, challenges, and triumphs that have shaped our guests' literary careers, and have some fun along the way. From the initial spark of an idea to the journey of crafting and publishing their books, we'll uncover the secrets that make their stories truly special. But that's not all. Once a month, we'll be joined by an expert from the publishing world who will share invaluable insights and advice for aspiring writers, answering your burning questions, and demystifying the path to success in the literary industry. At Beyond the Pen, my mission is simple, to entertain, educate, and encourage the next generation of great storytellers. So whether you're a writer, an avid reader, or simply someone with a passion for storytelling, Join us as we venture beyond the pen and celebrate the power of the written word. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Maccabee Griffin. And I'm Marcella. And this is Beyond the Pen, where we take the well-known adage, read between the lines to a whole new level and beyond. Each week, we sit down with a new author to not only discuss one of their books, but also learn the story behind the story. Hello, Marcella. Hi, Matt. How are you? How are you doing today? Good. How are you? Struggling. I'm struggling. I haven't had all my coffee, but I'm struggling. Say that word. Oh, yeah. We're challenged today. Yeah. I'm very much challenged because I haven't. I haven't had had coffee coffee today at all. Mm. Well, then we're going to have a fun time because thankfully our next guest uh, is basically the queen of positivity. She's been the queen of positivity since she was very young. And I think that's going to give us a little bit more energy. Plus, that's pretty much all she does. She is a fitness guru. Uh, she's got multiple businesses based around that. And uh, yeah, we're just going to, I'm just going to bring her straight on here. So ladies and gentlemen, this is Miss Sandy Joy Weston. Hello. <laughs> I'll bring the caffeine. How's that? There you go. There you go. At least one of us will be caffeinated. That's good. (laughs) So for everybody else out there, especially the ones who will see this video hopefully sometime soon, uh, she wrote the book, Train Your Head and Your Body Will Follow. Reach any goal in three minutes a day. And this one is going to be interesting because she's broken it up in multiple ways. And I want to start, I want to talk about the first part of this entire book because I think this is what really will set it out set it um, be be a little bit different from everybody else in regards to people that have all these little other books set it out there apart. And stuff thank you set it apart thank you this will set it apart from everyone else so uh, before we start doing this I told you I'm not caffeinated yet 
So before we Neither start doing that, yeah, that's true. Uh, Sandy, would you please introduce yourself to our listeners? But most importantly, tell us something we can't find on the internet about you. First thing, I'm Sandy Joy Weston, and I've been an entrepreneur my entire life, owning and operating health and wellness companies whose sole purpose is to promote mental and physical well-being and have a freaking ton of fun and spread a lot of joy. That's it. Vehicle might change, but it's all about me spreading joy. Something, I thought about this. People don't know. I'm just going to put it out there. I talk to trees. So they don't talk back per se, but when I go on my hikes or my bike rides, if I'm having a moment or frustrated, upset, whatever, I stop and I sit, make sure my back is leaning up against a tree to feel its energy, and I talk out loud and tell the tree, the universe, what's going on and get guidance. That's me. I'm a tree hugger. Well, she's at least she's making sure that they feel comfortable before she hugs them and gets consent. Um, it's fine. I walk around talking to myself all the dang time, anyways, you know. But I also just make the comment that I'm talking to God and my angels. But you know, which by the way, yeah. Well, here's the difference between me and you. I only got one. You got five, or at least according to you and your your younger version of you. Um, but let's start. At the beginning, per se, okay? Because, like I said, the first part of your book is all about getting to know you so people can feel more comfortable about what you're giving them. Mm, And one of the things that you were very open about was that your mother had mental health issues. And Mm -hmm. you were born in the project, so there wasn't a lot of money to get the therapies, uh, the institutions, and stuff like that. Um, when I was reading, I, I felt like there was a little bit of bipolarism. Is like coming up with the right I, diagnosis? I or? Uh, no diagnosis. There was oh, okay. Real, I mean, they schizophrenia. I mean, no one ever said bipolar back there. Mm-hmm. I, I think they really, because she was over medicated, maybe didn't have the proper care. Mm-hmm. The mental institutions, they weren't the well-funded ones, you know, back in oh, the days, yeah, no. she still got shock treatments. Oh, yeah. There no, wasn't no. really any diagnosis. But it's funny you bring up that part of the book because this is the thing. Until that book came out, I never told anybody about my past. They didn't mm-hmm. ask. They just assumed because I had my own businesses as a female, I came from money. And I must have the most loving, pippy skippy family. Even my mm-hmm. closest friend, they just never asked. I would never have lied. Yeah. And then when I wrote that book, my publisher said, okay, great, great, but you're 70,000 words short. I go, excuse me, it's a guidebook. It's not a novel. And she's like, yeah, the contract. I don't know why your agent did say that. So it was like, the night before we had this huge Christmas party and I got divine intervention, just tell a little about your story for the first time. And, and it still was in a lighthearted way, mm-hmm. not, not much. And that's yeah. why I put it down. I had no idea 
that that was the thing that would resonate with everybody. But they're like, yeah, now we believe you. Now we know why you think this works because you've been doing it your whole life. If you could get out of that difficult situation, there's hope for us. But I wasn't even going to put it in. And now in my keynotes for the first time ever, and it took me a year because I just couldn't get through it. I'm telling more of the stories that I feel are empowering me and therefore can empower others. And I had no idea the impact. Yeah, no, there was definitely some empowerment there because, you know, because of that part, I was, I was feel more, I felt more like, okay, I'm willing to at least read the rest of the book and give her a chance at it. Um, Thank God I was short words. <laughs> <laughs> well, but it's still, but here's the other thing. Here's the other thing about it is that your, I love your dad's story too, that you have in there too, because obviously being someone who's married to a person with psychological difficulties, mental health issues per se, um, he had a huge heart. Yeah. And yeah. I, I wanted to ask you real quick, um, some of the, things that he did to get over that to get around that and still feel like he could give you guys the best he could um because there was many times where uh, as you stated that he would actually go get paper towels and toilet paper and take it to goodwill now that's a big heart to do that yeah. especially if you yeah. don't have a lot of money so mm. What was it like to actually be in that house during that time? Because I know at one point also, and I'll, I'll put this in real quick, you actually stated at one point when your mother was throwing dishes or things around, you were telling your, your brother, hey, this is the best time to work on your athletic skills, dodging, weaving, catching. What was it like to really come up in that environment and still be so positive? I hope I can get through that. No one's ever asked me that because it's new and my heart is pounding. But, okay. Um, my dad did have a big heart. So he was that person because he got money and food stamps. When he got money, he would get on the bus and say, I can't believe they don't have essentials. People have to go to the bathroom. So he would be that kind-hearted person. But he wasn't a strong person. I love him, but he wasn't able actually to be there for my brother and myself. Many nights he didn't have a car. He left when she was freaking out, left us there and slept in a laundromat because he couldn't handle it. So he had a big heart, but there's another part of him looking. People always say, oh, you always talk about your dad with such compassion and understanding you wish he had a better life. And I did because I felt bad that he wasn't able to stand up to her. Yes, she had severe mental health issues, but also you don't get beaten every day and go into the hospital once a week and put up with that and have your kids in that environment. Yeah. So I, my brother would go to my grandmom's and thank God I believed in a higher power angels because I was like, okay, Something's got to work here. Why would they leave me here? And they would always go, well, you're strong and you can handle it. But I remember the police coming to the door and I'm, your mom's screaming and yelling. People are playing. I'm like, oh, God, just please take me with you. Somebody will love me. I'm a good kid. And they'd say, no, 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 Sandy. 
you're fine. Just quiet your mom down. But I'm thinking, what are you thinking? I'm like eight or nine. I thought, welcome to Project Life. So yeah. to answer your question, it's not that he wasn't big hearted and didn't judge others and wanted to do, but he didn't have that mental capacity to stand up for. Actually, when it got really bad, he put himself in the mental ward and my brother again got shipped off and again, they left me alone. So that's why I so believe in divine intervention because there's just no rational reason how my life is so amazing. It, it, there's just none. And, and that's the Ooh. thing with this. <laughs> <laughs> there is a reason to the madness, I promise you. I'm sure it's not to bring up old trauma. There, no, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. I got to get through this. I was there. Yeah. <laughs> well, the reason why I'm saying this is because, because of the fact that you are so positive in your life. You mm. bring so much joy to others around you. To me, this really felt like to go through that and still be positive about life. Yes, everybody has their ups and downs and everything. But it also means that when you're telling somebody that they can change their life, journaling, you know, three minutes a day for as long as they ever want, it's, and, and it, build up and create something better for them there's a reason why you know there are many times that you went to um the senior centers and just danced because you liked dancing i wanted to well i started at the mental institution so you want to hear a funny story when i i remember again i, I don't remember a lot of it when we started going to the institutions i was eight or nine years old and my brother really, he was just a more sensitive kid. He was older, a year and a half older. So I'd say to him, don't worry, don't worry. I'm going to look like an idiot. I brought my boombox. I'm going to entertain everybody and dance. Bring so we'd go into my mom's room really quick. Hey, mom, hey, mom, let's go out into the lobby. Rush her out in the wheelchair to the lobby where everyone would be gathering. I always wanted to go at dinner time. When they would be sitting out there and they would get their medicine. Now, listen, keep in mind, I was a kid. So there might have been people that needed their medicine. But I would bring my little kid scissors and I would cut. They had these little cups on their chairs and they would tie bows. And I would go around and cut the medicine off and say, you don't need that. Just watch me. I'll bring you joy. I don't think they all needed it, but I'm sure some of them did. And then I... Throw up, push the boombox, put on my tap shoe, start dancing. And it was the most beautiful thing for that moment. I could bring joy to them. Like I could see the pain. I couldn't take away the suffering, but for that moment, I wasn't suffering. They weren't suffering. And then I get yelled at because I didn't tell you that I'd have to run out. But I knew at that moment I was supposed to spread joy. Not solve the world's problems, but even if I could make someone smile, like every day I go to Wawa and I entertain people, I just want to make people smile. Maybe that'll have an impact in the world. So how did you transition from dance to fitness? I got myself out to college. I go. I was a dance major. My first internship was at a health club on the main line of Philly, which I taught dance fitness classes. And where I was located were a lot of the who's who's, like the big personalities, lots of money, 
lots of leaders, lots of sports team owners at this club. And they just embraced me. And they said, oh, come train me in my home. I'm like, okay. And back there, there weren't trainers. So it opened the door. To, I had all these people. Like, first client was Ed Snyder, owner of the Flyers, uh, the CEO of Subaru, Patty LaBelle. I mean, all these orthopedic surgeons, they had me in their home. And they treated me like I was Philadelphia's favorite daughter. And then they're like, you should open a health club. I'm like, okay, that sounds great. And the next thing I know, once the idea popped in my head, three years later, I had my first health club. So it wasn't anything I planned. I, everyone says, what's your secret sauce? Everything I did, mm. I wanted to be the best at it and spread joy. So for years, I waitressed. Even when I owned my health clubs, I was like, I didn't want to give up waitressing because I made great money on tips. But it was all me for those people. I didn't want anything from them. Like they loved the fact that I just wanted to help them in return because I didn't want anything from them. They were just kept throwing things at me. That's the transition. And, and you know what? I think it's great because there were some times where you had great ideas for how to keep things fresh and, yeah, you know, yeah. fun and everything. But then yeah. obviously you had some that just weren't good at all. They, oh, they were bad. flops. Bad. Were, were one of those, I still can't believe I'm going to say this, porno spin? <laughs> okay. That was my success. And let me just explain. <laughs> please, please do. I, <laughs> I taught spin. For a very long time. Like I was one of the first people to been bring bikes in a studio. They thought it was the wacky thing. So one person in class one time, because it was always the steady people said, oh, there's a new person. And someone said, oh, it's a cherry popper. And that was like, oh, we should get porno names. So everyone had a porno name. That was the whole thing of it. So when you came in, it wasn't like there was anything going on. It just everybody had their fun porno name. And then every time I had a big birthday, they would decorate the thing up to embarrass me because I really am totally opposite of that. As fun as I am, I get embarrassed with blow up dolls and porno stuff just to have oh them on. Oh my gosh. It was fun. So, they were great people. Do you still remember your name? I, that's the thing. I think it was just Joy. I don't remember, <laughs> but I think it was just Joy. I was supposed to be your, your street. I don't know. Oh man. Well, you know, I know you threw some names out there, like Patty LaBelle and the CEO of the uh, the Flyers. What were some of your favorite um, stories from those clients? I think what, well, the first story is they all were mentors to me. They all taught mm. me so much at every walk of life. So I felt as if almost like I should be paying them. You know what I mean? Because I felt like they, every time I went, they were trying to teach me something new about life, about business. They were the most amazing humans in the world. But that being said, it is funny because of all my clients, I always could figure out what worked for them and how to motivate them. And every single person got the results, every single one, because I figured out mentally how they worked. But one of them was Patty LaBelle because she hated working out. I mean, she would do it. But she hated it. And I would go there sometimes. And she knew I loved muffins. And she'd say, I'll just sing to you and make muffins. And try to bribe me from not working out. 
which she eventually, we figured it out. She liked swimming and they built her an indoor pool. But that was one of the things that I thought was really fun. It was a really fun time. So it wasn't being hung out by your arm and your, your legs at the, uh, at a game that was one of your favorites? Oh, oh, that, that, that wasn't a training. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Croce did that. So Pat uh, Croce was really big in the Philadelphia area and he was also was one of the owners of the Sixers and he trained the Flyers and he owned huge physical therapy fitness companies here. And he just was a crazy fun guy. He was like a big brother to me, but he thought it was really cool with the boys, we were in the Comcast suite to be like, Hey, the Flyers are winning. And he picked me up and he took me by one leg and dangled me over the ice. And I was like, you, Oh, can't, you don't want to know what I said. Daddy, I'm scared to death. What if his hand slipped? Yeah, that wasn't. And I was so mad. That was, I mean, he said, well, you're part of the gang. I'm like, yeah, that gang. <laughs> he was so crazy. Well, since you won't use that word, um, yeah. you have a, you have a thing for words though. There, because of the yeah. fact of how much words impact our lives, the good ones yeah. and the bad ones. Yeah. What is your favorite word? And what is your, the word that you hate the most or you dislike the most out of all? Okay. So I don't, of course I use joy a lot and pure joy because it's, but I change my word every month. And I think about what I'm going after and I focus on that one word of how I want to show up in the morning. And then depending on the day, it might be if I'm negotiating powerful, if I'm having a really rough time, ease and flow, peace, calm, anything that I call from the love base side, the word, I don't have a word I dislike. I just really try to shift anybody from those fear based words. That that one word you tell yourself, even like if you say, I'm an idiot, I'm a jerk, I'm sloppy, it really does impact you. So even words that you say to your kids and you may not know it over and over have a huge impact, you know, impact in us. So I just try to shift people out of that side of the, because there's a way to go, okay, I don't expect you to say, oh, I'm going to show up and I'm going to be joyful today if you're really depressed, but maybe we can go with calm and get you slightly out of there. So. Let, let's go back to um, some of the mentors that you had, because one of them was a Dr. Kendall or Kendra, yeah. excuse me, Dr. Kendall yeah. That, yeah. that you that you really felt was a big impact on your life and Huge. not only not only your life in general, but in your business world and, and everything that you do. Yeah. It, I remember at one point you stated that um, if ever you were really in trouble with something, he would be the first one you would either go to or he would be the first one to step up. What was it that really made you guys connect more on any on so many different levels? What was it about him that made such an impact on your life? Well, first of all, he was the head of the exercise physiology department at Temple University. And after I opened my first club, I realized, ooh, I'm getting a lot of very powerful people and sports team people, and I better up my game. So I went back for my master's in exercise physiology. And so he was one of my teachers, and he also was uh, you know, just a mentor to me. And in class, 
he embraced my personality. Like every, there was a lot of men and they were very serious and they were very sciencey. And I wasn't that way. And I laughed a lot. I, I goofed around and I asked so many questions and he never thought there was a dumb question. And so he really saw what I wanted to do in the health cup industry and just helped me all along the way. So every time there was anything I wasn't sure of, I would go to him. And also it gave me credibility because I'm like, I know this innately. This is how I live my life. I know this works, Dr. Kendrick, but I need the science behind it. You know what I mean? Because some people believe me. Some people seen it. Like my life shows it, what I'm teaching my clients, but I need the science. And he would help me with the science behind it. So here's the other thing I really want to ask, and this will be my final question real quick before Marcella steps in. When it came to developing this system and everything that you've created here, when someone challenged you so much to even change your own body form, because I remember at one point there was a, a job that you were up for, per se, with one of the, uh, the sports event, um, I can't say this. One of these uh team owners can speak today, I swear. And he told you that you needed to lose weight, even though yeah. you were you weren't fat at all. May yeah. have a bit. According to this, you had a rounder behind, but I was happy. Yeah. You were happy with that. And and most of everybody else would be. But he challenged you to do that. Did he ever explain the reason why he wanted so, you to do that? It was one of the uh, college teams here, and he wanted me to come to the aerobic fitness classes for the football team. And he said, listen, and a lot of ki- people used to say this to me at the time. She can really move, but she's built like a truck driver. I, I can't have you come in, but I'd hire you, but you have to lose X amount, you know, 25 pounds at least. And do you can do it through weight training. Now, back then, that's not what you thought about. Yeah, you did some light weight, but he said hit it hard. So, of course, I was like, F you, blah, blah, blah. I love the way I look. But on the other side of it, I wanted to see if that was true. And it was. So I hit it hard with weight. And I re-sculpted my body and changed it even, you know, and I kept changing it even as I got older. And afterwards, he said he just did that, too give me the kick in the butt and push me. You know, he knew, he didn't think I didn't look good. He was trying to get me to see his theory about weights and he proved himself. And then he did hire me. So, so it was more of, I want to see if this theory will work more than I just want to be able to motivate me. Yeah. 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 Here's the other real quick question uh, and a uh, continuation with that one. Are you happy that he did that? Absolutely. Why? I was just going to ask her that. Well, first of all, not how he, like, it wasn't good how he did it. Although I could handle it. And I, I'm not like that. I, I love, I want everybody to love their, your healthy man. I love your body. And I only look from the neck on up. So the bad news is I don't know if people lost weight because I trained myself to embrace every size body. But I learned more about what the body was capable about. Like I learned what it was capable at 30. I learned what it was capable at 40, 50, 60. It's incredible if it's something you want to do, not to get stuck in, I can't. But if you want it, then it's 
there's so many things that are possible. It sounds like narcissism to me, but not you. Um, no, I, I sat here going, no, no, I would have punched him in the face. I wouldn't have lost a job and been arrested. Um, so I'm, I'm curious because listening to your background, it's, it's, um, I don't know how I would have handled something like that. I was a very quiet little girl and my parents weren't, um, my parents were who they were. Yeah. <clears throat> but I get asked this question all the time when people find out how I grew up. And I wondered um, how you would answer, because I, I know how I would. Um, if you could go back, hmm? I have a time machine. So if you could go back and change one thing, what would you change? Yeah, my parents didn't have such a hard life. They suffered a lot. And I was fortunate enough. I don't know why, God, I just feel very fortunate that I knew even being born that I was going to be blessed and have a great life. And I couldn't save them from that. Or my, my brother, he's good now. But I just didn't want them to suffer so much to realize they were more powerful than they really knew. And they could tap into their, their heart and a higher power and that everyone has guides but I couldn't do that for them. Is there anything you change about yourself? No. Nope. Nope, nope, nope. I mean, it's not pretty by the time, but nope. Not really. I like that answer. Yeah. So, <clears throat> I have a couple of questions. I've never been asked these questions, man. This is like, wow. Good. We're not like other podcasts. <laughs> I know. I get that all the time. Well, you yeah. guys are really out there. Yes, we are. <laughs> yeah. Well, when you have 15, 20 different voices in your head, you know, you kind of have to pick one and work with it. So, you know. I'm with you. That's Max's problem. Yeah. All of my voices are surrounding. Yeah. Hers are external. Mine are internal. So it makes life a little bit more interesting. Yeah. yeah. So what is next on your journey, Sandy? What's coming up for you? So what we did mention is the gods were with me, and in 2019, I sold my health clubs right before COVID. Oh, wow. Okay. Which 95% of my clients were corporate, because the biggest mm. club was in downtown Philly and wellness centers. The opportunity came up. I still had two and a half years on my 20-year lease, but even though the members, it was hard. We cried. It was sad. But it, I knew it was the right time to go. I had a side gig called SJW Productions, which I do now, which I was writing books and journals, doing workshops and doing speaking engagements, as well as, believe it or not, podcasts, radio station type things 10 years ago. So when I sold that, traveled around for a bit while we could for a year. And then I started working and developing more SJW production. And now I'm really back out there doing workshops and a lot of keynotes. So it's fun. That's great. Yeah. Um, hey, we're always looking for sponsors if you ever want to pick us up too, you know. Got to get that in. I have to get in. I have to. Yeah. I, I got to take the chance. Okay. Don't look at me. I lose 25 pounds first, Mac. No. 
god, don't say that. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, so <laughs> next question, Sandy. What is your writing kryptonite? Now and then, when I'm doing a, a presentation in front of my peers, and they tell me all the reasons why what I'm about to do, no one's going to believe me, and, and you shouldn't do it. And so it might take me a little while to get out of that mindset from the well-meaning people. So I don't know they're sneaking in there. So the kryptonite is they get in there, those negative buggers, without knowing it because they're well-meaning, loving people guiding me on, that's not going to sell. That's not going to do. You should write that to this. You should write that to that. But like when I wrote Train Your Head by Will Follow, because I started it years ago and then it's evolved, it was 37 rejections by uh, publishers. And it took me a year and a half to get an agent and a year and a half to get the publisher I wanted in New York, which she wanted finally. And it was the same thing. No one's going to get it. Now, who doesn't get train your head and body with fall? Like now, everyone. And all the places they booked me were out west. Nobody here got. And now they get it. But the thing is why it's kryptonite is because I don't know it's sneaking in there because they're good people. And then I'm like, oh, crap, I actually let them influence me. Why would I do that? Make sense? Absolutely. I think that's um, that's something that goes along with imposter syndrome. Yeah, yeah. We let it seep in, and then it's um, it just takes hold. So, my last question: Is there a specific person or a quote that you subscribe to? Something you like that keeps you going? Something you keep going back to? I say this all the time. I was thinking it because, by the way, in my book, there's quotes everywhere because I just, I mean, even in the kids thing, you know, there's quotes every single place. So I have tons and tons of quotes everywhere, every single place. And I'm a, I'm a quote junkie. And the first one that is my religion is very simple. My religion is kindness by the Dalai Lama. So that's my favorite, favorite. But I say this all the time, every single day to myself. I love me more. I love me more. Like when I'm getting hit, all angles, all the reasons people shouldn't, or you shouldn't do this. Why do you care? Blah, blah, blah. I just say to me, I love me more. I love me more. And it sounds like, if you, I'm, I can't believe I'm admitting it, but it's for me to not fall prey to all the there's people in my life that are trying to suck me into why are you so positive there's so many sucky things in the world and you shouldn't be that pop like and I just keep telling myself because there's still family members around and I just say I love me more oh, that's awesome that's great Sandy thank you for being here we really appreciate it please tell everybody where they can find you any events that you're going to be having soon the floor is open so the biggest thing is you can find everything on my website, sandyjoyweston.com. I have all my podcasts, my speaking engagements, everything I'm doing, links, free books, everything is there. And I'm on every single social media blog, uh, platform at Sandy Joy Weston. I 
daily, Monday through Friday, do a one-minute tip called Daily Joy. And it's just what's in my head and how I spin it to make a powerful impact on the world. That's awesome. Thank you again for being here. We really appreciate it. Thank you. This was, it was, uh, I was going to say it was so much fun, but it was deep and fun and joyful. So I'll say it was peace, love, and joy all in one. All right. What do you think, Marcella? Oh, she's she's sweet. Well, but you I know hope you're she's sweet. Negative vibes over here, so. Well, yeah, that's true. You know, that's why you know she's the yin, you're the yang, or yang yin, whichever one's whichever one. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So for me, I really I thought the the book was very interesting. The fact that she was willing to put a lot of herself in there first made it more interesting to where it came into like, okay, this is how you can do it now. You learned about me. You're going to learn about you. Now let's learn about how we can make everything better for, for you right now. And I don't think there's a lot of people that actually do that when they have these systems out there. It's all about, okay, let's get you right into the game. And in this case, it was learn about my story first so you see where I'm coming from where I've been and why I know this will work because I've lived it my entire life kind of thing. So everybody, if you're ready to just start before January comes around, starting to change your mindset and changing your life, go out, get train your head and your body will follow. Reach any goal in three minutes a day by Miss Sandy Joy Weston. Give it a chance. You never know. It may change your life. And I think it would. I think it will. So here's the other things that I want to say out there, too. Please follow us. Find us on the Internet. Find us at our website, beyondthepenpodcast.com. There you can find uh, Sandy's bio, her links, her websites, uh, even the place where you can go and get the book itself. You know, you can also go on and find everything that's going on with us. And, of course, know that new episodes are uploaded on your favorite podcast platforms. In fact, it's actually grown grown, grown, grown from 45. Now it's actually 50 now. We're actually on 50 platforms, including, and I love still saying this, you can find us on Traverse TV on Amazon Fire, on Roku, and it's going to be on uh, Apple TV and iTunes. The video forums will be on there next year. They're going to start doing that, I believe it is. You can see all of our videos instead of on VOD. You can actually see them on the live broadcasting on Traverse TV every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and every Saturday morning at 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So go out there, tell people about us, see some of our favorite videos. And of course, we're always, always looking to grow our, our community more, support these authors, support us, 
You know, you can go to my website, macgriffinvo.com. And then, of course, you can also go to Marcella's Linktree, linktree.ee forward slash Marcella, and learn about everything that she's doing. So other than that, Marcella, do you have any words to uh, close with? Go home. <laughs> Fine, I'll go home. Let's talk, guys. I was trying to give you some nice, but no. That was an old Tracy Ullman thing. At the end of every show, she would yell at her audience because she had a live audience. Go home. Go home. Get out of here. Go home. All right. Well, we love you all. And as I always say, keep writing, keep inspiring, and keep sharing as you go on the panel. Hey folks, that's a wrap for this episode of Beyond the Pen. We hope you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed creating it. If you'd like to stay connected and up to date with everything Beyond the Pen, follow us on Twitter at Beyond the Pen Pod and Instagram at Beyond the Pen Podcast. For even more content and exclusive access to our guest profiles and more, make sure to visit our website at beyondthepenpodcast.com. Don't forget to join our Facebook fan page to interact with our favorite authors and fellow fans of the show. And if you want to take your Beyond the Pen experience to the next level, check out our selection of video interviews on Traverse TV's Video On Demand and Livestream. You can access these interviews through your Roku, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, Google Play, iTunes, or the Traverse TV app. So until next time, thanks again for tuning in and remember to keep writing inspiring and sharing as you go beyond the pen.